This week, we give you yet another reason of why not to trust a Gemini or the American court system. Welcome to Monsters of the Midwest. Court system. Uh oh, that sounds bad. Yep, yep. And you know, I will tell you guys, I got the fuck out of Michigan. We're out of Michigan, right? But for some reason, I just keep getting drawn. I know I keep getting drawn to these damn Gemini cases, though. So I apologize. We're gonna try to get out of that too. Or she's drawn to Gemini's. Don't let her bullshit you. I am because my chart has zero air in it, so I'm drawn to these. Air asshats, I guess. Either that, or maybe we'll <laughs> maybe we'll prove to you that Gemini's are evil, guys. We might get there. Stay stay tuned throughout this um, course of this podcast because we might get there. Not Uh-oh. just today, but you know, in life. So, um, <clears throat> I kind of wasn't really sure where to start this because it is pretty heavy. Um, and I just want to throw a disclaimer that I'm going to do a lot of quotes from. This Gemini asshat. So I want you guys to know that this is not my verbiage, that I'm taking this verbatim from multiple sources and uh, the queen bitch herself and her social media. So I please don't come for me for how I'm about to say some of these things because I don't believe in how they're said. Okay. Let's just fucking dive in. Yeah, let's dive in. Oh, shit. We'll get Um, to the business after. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to do this first. (laughs) All the business. All the business. I don't know anything um, about this case, so I'm yes. like too, so totally blind coming in. And she's like, "We're gonna talk about this and that." And blah. I'm like, "Uh, all right, I'm ready." <laughs> right. And then I'm like, "Oh, it's heavy, and there's this, and like literally, I haven't told you anything about it." So exact none here, zero. Here we go. Time to jump in. I'm gonna talk about a couple. So there is one of the, the couple is Jennifer Jean Hart. She was born on June 4th, 1979, a fucking Gemini from uh, Huron, South Dakota. So look at this. I'm hitting the Dakotas, too. That's also a place I haven't been. You went on a road trip. I did. Um, She's the eldest of three kids. Uh, She was raised in a Christian household, but baptized as a Lutheran. Her dad wanted to make sure that was put on all her documentation. Oh, yeah. Um, But Jennifer uh, was pretty much an average student. Uh, She attempted to fit in with people. Um, She has a very, you'll find out she's a very like alpha personality. She's very, um, Mm. likes to be in control. She has, you know what I mean? She chooses friends and and people around her that basically listen. Like kind of like wet blanket situations are, are what a lot of the accounts are said about her, her of her surrounding people. Oh, and um, okay. so I did, there is a couple of podcasts um, that covered this, uh, actually like three or four that covered it. Um, and then we will list those in the show notes. And then also there's a documentary that I watched. If you want to see some of the actual footage from her social media account, which is obviously no longer, um, it's quite fucking cringy. But also there, this bitch has been everywhere. You'll find out like this bitch was like drinking all the Gatorade unquenchable thirst of that social media could throw at her. Oh, so. great. Yes. Um, she I know also, how bad that is. 
Like, it's so yeah. easy. <laughs> it's, I don't know. I guess I can't relate, but she really thrives off, just like a little background, she really thrives off attention, um, but not necessarily in a bad way. She wants that positive, like, she likes to play that she's a white savior bitch. Like, she is, oh "Oh my God, I'm doing this to help you, and look what I've done to help, like, because you were worse off without me. I saved you. That's her whole Oh, good. Thanks. I can't wait to hear about this because I'm already turned all the way off (laughs) about that. That's very off-putting, but okay. She... She's very off-putting. Um, okay, so her partner, Sarah Margaret Gendler, I think was her maiden name. Gendler? Gendler? Something like that. Um, okay. She was born April April 8th, um, 1979, an Aries, uh, but does not act or do anything that is very Aries-esque. Because either that or Jen just overpowers any of this poor girl's personality, which is probably... Uh, what happened? Um, she was born in Big Stone City, South Dakota, which I guess the hometowns of these girls were like um, less than 100 miles apart. Like, so they weren't too far apart. Mm, okay. And um, she was also the eldest sibling. And she uh, ended up attending high school. Uh, I didn't see why, but she ended up going with a family member attending high school in Minnesota. Hmm. But for all accounts, like... She's a very, she's a gorgeous girl. Just very, like, looks like that girl next door that would Aww. help you out with anything. Like, she would, you know, it, if you needed a ride home, she'd give you a ride home. She worked, I mean, there was, on the documentary, there was multiple of her coworkers that she worked with that all had great things to say. Like, she was super reliable. You know, she would basically give her lunch to you if you didn't have food like type thing not in oh, a way okay. to where she wanted where she wanted credit back but just because she was genuinely a good human being oh, I like that I like that yeah. there's some sort of goodness going on some yes um, some right so after high school obviously you know as we're all told in the Midwest you need to either go work in a factory or you need to go to college go so to college. they decided yep. they, they were gonna go to college um and she didn't really know or Sarah I'm sorry didn't really know what she wanted to do with her life but she knew that she had a lot of fun babysitting all the neighborhood kids so she hmm, found herself okay. in early childhood development and so did Jen um so oh. after high school, they both went to the University of Minnesota in Twin Cities, is what yeah. it's called. Okay. Um, yeah, and that, is, or I'm sorry, Sarah went there, and then she actually transferred to Northern State University in South Dakota, which is where Jen went. I'm sorry. They both went to college the same in, in South Dakota. Okay. Got that all mixed up. But regardless, these bitches met in college, you know? Cool. Uh, Sarah, <laughs> yeah, cool. They... They both married or they both majored in early childhood education, early childhood development. And this is where they say that their uh, love for each other and their love for kids um, kind of flourished. You know, they had a lot of the same backgrounds. They grew up next to each other and didn't even know it like that type of stuff. Um, So they got campus housing together. And for years, they told people around them that they were just really good friends and roommates and roommates. At least I am. Yeah. We all know, like, um, <laughs> early 2000s, like, late 90s, that means, you know, they're not just friends. Um, <laughs> so that time, that time was very, like, that was probably 
the first time that I think I heard about like people being gay was like in yeah. the nineties, like out yeah. in public or whatever. So right. and I can't, I can't attest for how it was in the Dakotas or how anything was, but I am just assuming if it's anything like here, which from what they attested it is, and it's, not okay, you know, but they yep. finally, you know, uh, she was getting ready to graduate in 2002. Sarah was. Um, and so they said, you know, we, we gotta start being ourselves. Like I'm tired of hiding. Let's just, let's just put our toe in the water before we're done with college and see if it's cool. If we come out of the closet, basically. Right. Um, How scary. So they, yeah. So they eventually did it and they did it via a really beautiful picture and, a post on Facebook. So this is like early Facebook times too. This is like, we just got done with MySpace. We're doing Facebook. And plus, you know, Facebook was mostly for college students college at that time. students. Yeah. And that's what they were. So, you know, um, they unfortunately did not go anywhere near what they thought. And they literally lost 90% of their friends from what they both say. Um, and Sarah posted later on, on her Facebook saying that the Midwestern mindset is relentlessly unforgiving and unaccepting. I can't take it anymore. And I was like, oh, God, I feel that in my Aww. soul. Like, it is like that, though. It's so, like, yeah. the the stigma around, like, self-expression and stuff in the Midwest. Like, obviously, we know I'm from the city, and there was, like, very, you know, you could be yourself to an extent, you know, right. but it wasn't like California, New York, uh, any like right. Portland, the shit like that. It just wasn't as openly accepted that you would just come out like, oh, my God, I can't believe you. All this time you lied to us and betrayed us. And it's like, come on, man. Right. It's like, oh, you were sinning behind our back. Now you're really going to fucking hell, like stuff like that. It was just taken way out of context. So terrible. I don't even want to get into that whole bullshit. <laughs> but anyways, um, so Sarah ended up graduating and getting her degree in 2002. But sometimes, like, this whole thing, like, the whole Facebook post that caused them to lose a friend really affected Jen a lot differently. She took that a lot more as, like, a, like, she had a chip on her shoulder over it. Like, you oh, know. Yeah. yeah, like, she was more outwardly hurt, I guess. So she ended up... uh dropping out of college, like, with just shy of graduating. Like, she was almost finished, and it just really fucked her up pretty bad. Yeah. And so in 2004, the couple decided, we're moving the fuck out of here, and we're going to go to Minnesota, because they never, I guess, I don't know anything about Minnesota either, but I guess that's where Sarah was from, and she had a lot of, like, job opportunities there. So they thought they could start a new life where they didn't have to deal with all the shit. You know, we deleted the Facebook yeah. post. Nobody's ever going to see it again. No big deal. You know, let's go. Let's start over. We yeah. didn't know how the internet worked at that time. Um, so they started working at a Herbinger, Herbinger chain grocery store. I don't know what the hell. It's apparently the big grocery store in that area. Um, okay. from, what I, from what I read, it seems kind of like it's like a Kroger in this area. <laughs> like, it, like a um, Kroger? <laughs> like, I mean, like it's a, good, it's a good job, comes with benefits. So this is a pretty cool job that they both landed, you know, a decent, a decent, decent position at. Yeah. Um, so their comfortability like with this job and their new friends that they made at this job was really what gave them the love and support and that 
made them feel like, you know what, let's just come into this and be completely honest. Like, I feel like we could make some actual friends here and I feel like they're not going to hate us for it. So they were just very open and honest about they're not just roommates, that they're in a partnership. You know, they're dating. They've been dating since college, whatever. And people open like opened up their arms and were like, yay, we love you. You're great. You know, we love oh, wow. the couple Good. together. Yeah. Good. So it was a really positive experience for them. Um, so in 2005, Sarah petitioned to have her name changed legally to heart to match Jen's because at this time there was not legal marriage with same-sex couples. So uh, she petitioned through the court, went through all that. They ended up getting the name changed and they, they were really starting to build like a beautiful life. Um, and then in 2009, the it was legal in Connecticut to for same-sex couples to get married. So they mm-hmm. made a vacation of it, went and got legally married. And for everything you could see, things were great. You know, this is the life that they, you know, this is that Midwestern dream that they didn't think they could have because they weren't straight type thing, you know? Yeah, Um, you know what, too? That's interesting because I wonder how many couples did that. They legally changed their last name even though it wasn't because of a marriage license or a marriage certificate. It was because they just, they wanted that so bad that they would go through whatever lengths. It's interesting. Yeah, well, you know, it's not that interesting. I I feel like I should have done that. I feel like it would have been a lot better situation for me. But right. you know, it's whatever. It that's happens. A, for, that's that's for another day. Maybe a Patreon episode down the way if we get monetized <laughs> that way. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um. So in 2004, okay, they uh, this is like I'm gonna kind of jump around a little back and forth, but I promise it'll make sense. I'll make it make sense. So in 2004, the um. They're living this great life. You know, this is right before she changed her name, so they have the same name. Um, they decide that they're going to try and foster children because they have this background, and Sarah really, you know, enjoyed what she did. And she's like, I love working, being in management at a grocery store, but I want to follow my passion, and I want to help kids. So yeah, they decide they're going to foster. Uh, well, the first girl that comes up is a 15-year-old girl, and I don't have her name, and I think that it was probably blocked out from this case. Um mm. But, you know, uh, they didn't really know what they were getting into, and it doesn't take long for them to realize, oh, shit, this is a fully formed, almost adult, 15-year-old who, right. you know, teenager with all the teenage angst and everything. She's got a mind of her own. You know, uh, this isn't what we expected type thing. So Yeah, yeah no shit. You don't start with a uh, a teenager. I mean, if you're if you go to school for early childhood development, you should know how their mind develops at those ages you you would you think think, right you'd think so oh uh in for whatever reason they start to openly complain about their situation about how it's turning out on facebook and on (laughs) it's to their coworkers at work literally text i mean there's so much documentation where i think that they really didn't understand the concept of social media i mean it's still early oh. social media, but they didn't realize like, oh shit, that's about to be there forever type thing. So yeah, it's not it's not like a journal that you write in and you put it in your fucking drawer. Like right. even live journals, fucking, live right, journals are like, still able to be read. You know, like fuck that. Right. How long ago was that? Right, exactly. Um, but this is pretty well known at the, at this fact that the. The hearts just really aren't feeling that situation. Oh, but sure. 
in the same breath, they're also still bragging about the fact that they want to have a big family. They want to have a big family. That is their that's their dream. You know, they're, they have the stability. Now they want a big family. So they're also like mad that they can't make this work with this girl, you know? Um, okay. So it's kind of. Do, do they feel like a failure? Kind of, but I don't know. There's not a whole lot on this. There's not a whole lot I couldn't find. Huh. Um, which I think it's because she's 15 and it was probably blocked. You know what I mean? Like, you can't find information. Yeah, she's a minor. Um, and, she, and her records aren't going to be available for, what, 50 years, I think it is? Right, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, they decide to take her. She's also, I guess, during when you're in the foster system, beginning of the foster system, um, there's a lot of therapy that's involved. You know, to kind of transition into um, not only just whatever they have going on prior, but like to transition into this new household in case that household, you know, wants to adopt you. All those fun things. And at that point, when they went into it, they said, yeah, we want to adopt kids. We want to have family. We want this and that, you know. So she's going through this therapist like to transition into this new life type thing. Right. Um, Right. You know, and so when she gets home from when the girl gets home from this one therapy they are excited to tell her that we got we got a call we got a call that there's um three siblings that need a home and it's it's needed immediately uh we don't know how to tell you this but you're gonna be a big sister and they try to like get some sort of like connection with her to that like hey look we're gonna have this family together like getting her excited you're gonna be a big sister and it didn't say much about how she reacted to that but that was like the story that they were you know, they were preparing their home to have more kids in it, you know, this and that. And that went on for a couple of weeks, like a little over two weeks. And then three days before the new siblings were were deemed to arrive, um, because you'll find out later they come out of state, uh, their foster daughter has an appointment with their therapist. So, okay. you know, they're like, OK, we're going to go drop you off and then we're not going to stay this time because we got to go get the house ready type thing. Mm-hmm. So so they tell her. Um, but they never come back. Uh, they dropped her off at her therapist appointment and they, she literally never speaks or sees them again. And it was, it was a handwritten letter that was given to the therapist to relay the information to tell the girl the tragic news that like, they didn't want you They're You're never going to see them again. Um, Also, they've already moved all your shit out to your new house. So you're now going to live with this family because they didn't want you. You know, and it was like all your stuff's already been transported. I can't even fucking fathom. Like, it's horrible. I hope I hope that this child has I hope she's living and I hope that she is finding some way to cope with this trauma or build a life or something I don't know it's just it it makes me so sick like they weren't even they literally are telling her oh you're gonna you're gonna have siblings this and that and then a couple of days later oh we're just gonna drop you off and meanwhile while you're gone we're gonna ship all your stuff out and never talk to you again and abandon ghost the fuck out of you like that's fucking sick yeah so uh, you know what and as as a foster teenager I went to school with a couple of foster kids that they were brothers actually and um they were a couple of the strongest kids I've ever met their mother was still very prevalent in their life even though they were in foster care because she was just she was not capable of taking care of them but to 
not have any connection to anyone, be in the foster system, and then, like, having the trauma of going through that once where you're given back. Like, how many times? One time is enough, but, geez, like, some of these kids, it's horrible. Not only that, but, like, okay, so... I'm just trying to think of like the trauma that comes around with people ghosting you and not giving you a reason why not giving Fuck you yeah. clo- just just into as an adult today. Like I hate it. There's n- there's <laughs> no way I would. Oh, it sickens me. Like they yeah. you have no closure. You have no way to heal. You have no way to move on. You have no way to anything. And like right. this is a child. This is a child who's already ha- probably has their guard up from whatever traumatic situation they came out of. Like, oh, it just mm-hmm. sick. sickens me. Yep. So I'm going to backtrack just a little bit again. Prior to this adoption of the three kids, you know, the ones that they were getting ready to prepare their home for. uh, These are three kids that are from Texas. Um, Mm. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about like the Hearts' home. Okay. Okay. So this this home that they're moving into because they do have a few homes at this like not at this point, but you'll see that they move around a little bit. The Hearts end up moving to. family friendly area it's in washington so they went from minnesota to washington okay so we're, we're hopping oh. states all right and road trip i'll be on i'll be honest i'm really sorry if i mess up their road trip states and how they go because they do go from minnesota washington oregon and i don't know if i got the timeline right but let me just tell you that they they like to rent so they rent at different places throughout this story um oh okay so i might mix up some information but i i it's unintentional they end up going to this place in washington which is you know i mean it's like a suburb but it's not as busy as what they're used to you know um okay but they uh sarah ended up applying to an assistant position at Kohl's, a system manager position i guess that was very much close to what she was doing at this grocery store so huh, she okay. got the position. So she said, hey, nice. yeah, let's do this. This is, mind you, there's a fucking foster kid that they're trying to get rid of. They're also going through a uh, legal adoption process. I feel like moving around and accepting jobs out of state shouldn't have fucking been done. But that's just me. That's just, you know, red flags I saw. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's typical for, at least in Ohio, you have to be in a stable environment with a job for X amount of, you know, months and all this other there's stipulations for there's like home visits and shit they got to go through you know what i mean yeah the whole cps system fuck it's really weird to me that they were just able to up and not only that but still be eligible for fucking adoption when they literally just dumped their one kid off like it was nothing no shit i don't know yeah maybe it's because it was in process i don't know i don't know how it got swept under the rug but it did Mm. um and a lot of this case is getting swept under the rug um, because of, I think, honestly, just a lot of it is moving back and forth. And I think their cases just get lost, but we'll we'll get into all of them. Uh, I don't want to okay. give too much away. So also another red flag for me when doing these type of like adoptions, whatever, aren't they supposed to both fucking have jobs? Because Jen don't have a job. She claimed to be a stay-at-home mom, but this bitch doesn't even have any kids. She literally just got rid of the foster kid. Like, why are you claiming to be... She uh, said that she worked odd jobs to help pay bills, but she wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. 
Well, yeah. want in one hand and shit in the other and see which one fills up faster. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, there was okay. also claims that she got fired from her grocery store job. So there's that. I mean, there's a lot of I, I feel like she just all she does is lie and tell facades. But I'm already fi- feeling that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So financially, I bet we're all wondering, like, how the fuck did y'all get by? This is not yes. like you were in Minnesota. Now you're in fucking Washington. Like, that's. I mean, that's fucking expensive to live over there on that coast, you know? Uh-huh. Um, well, it wasn't family because Jen was completely estranged from her entire family. Um, most importantly, her father, who actually had uh, a lot of money, I guess, that was supposed to be given to her within trust, with whatever, to help support, like, her... I don't know, there was, like, shit set up for her, but she didn't finish college, so then he got pissed, and he also didn't like that she was gay. There was lots of lots of bullshit in there. So All right. she she just decided to wash, his, wash her hands of that and just wrote him off. And then um, we'll, we come to find out that not only just her dad, but her entire family gets, she shuns them all, as well as she has Sarah shun all of her family. Oh, um, yeah, yes. no good. Yep. So... I'm just going to let you guys, you know, keep your own tally of these red flags of these things that are happening. So nothing says um, I love you forever like seclusion. Right. Right. Fuck, man. So the couple eventually cuts all their family ties from both sides. Literally all of them. Um, They said they didn't care about any money or whatever, any stability because, you know. We got Jen fucking mowing lawns for a living and taking care of their no kids and fucking she's going to take on a new job, not even through 90 days at Kohl's. I'm just They're going to start shopping for properties underneath bridges yes. if they keep right. it up. Fuck. Right. Um, <laughs> but during all this, the hearts are still receiving fucking government funds from Minnesota for being a foster parent. They're cashing those checks, okay? So, not only... I knew some money was going to happen. Oh, yeah. Not only that, but this is even worse. So, the three siblings that they're in the process of adopting from Texas. So, Mm. there was... They're coming from a, a mother who had a drug problem, had three kids at a very young age... Never ended up losing her kids because she went to rehab and got herself cleaned up, whatever. But she was still going through the process of, you know, proving to the state I'm worthy to be a parent. Well, apparently one of her stipulations in Texas was that she had to hold insurance and health care over her kids. And she did not. So she lapsed in that. And yeah. And so she ended up losing her children um, literally over the fact that she didn't have a job that held insurance and, and all that stuff so nah, shitty the that whole situation we're getting into the the fucking disgusting injustice of those kids but um so this company that the hearts are working through kind of tells them well you know maybe you should just give up rights so that way your kids can be adopted and then they can get the care that they need. Because if not, you're going to face felony charges of not being, like, there was, I can't remember exactly what the charges were, but basically not taking care of your kids is what it was in Texas at the time. Okay. So she she got a lawyer, a very good lawyer, and they told her, okay, this is probably what's going to happen, but you can also relinquish your rights and give them to a family member that's loving as long as they're proved to CPS that they're, you know, great. Um, so 
hold that thought. <laughs> okay, hold that thought. Uh, going with the financial shit that they get from Texas, that is going to fund um, 58% of their household income, not even including what Sarah's bringing in from Kohl's. So that's where I was going, but then I went off the cuff. Um, so they, they basically <laughs> were, were living super fucking comfortable. Super fucking comfortable. Right. They, ne- they never did without anything, okay? Oh, wow. That's... I'm not surprised. On the funds of government and other people. Other people's shit. So I wanted to paint the picture of the days that were leading up. Before I go all the way into what I already started to tell you guys. (laughs) I'm going to paint the picture of the days leading up to the most tragic fucking family massacre that I've ever read about. There it is. Now you guys know what the case is about. So two days prior to the tragedy... Sarah had actually called into work at her job at Kohl's and claimed that she needed to go to the hospital. She didn't feel good. She needed to go to the hospital. This was on Saturday night, and this was via text, and it was sent at 3 a.m. to a work group chat. So I guess, like, the upper management group chat. Okay. And then that was, like, a thing. So, like, all her coworkers were like, oh, my God, are you doing okay? And she's not answering back, so they're thinking the worst. But Sarah has never missed a day of work. She's extremely reliable. She's that one, like, if you need somebody to come in, she'll come in. Um, Oh, that sucks. But then she also, no call, no showed, both Sunday and Monday. And now her coworkers are like, ooh, something, this ain't right. Shit's not not right. 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 So, and like I said, she had perfect attendance. Like, it's. This just really had everybody that worked with her extremely worried. So one of her friends, her close friends that she worked with, the one that she told all this business to about the whole, we shouldn't have these kids, blah, blah, blah. And like, I don't know, the one that she's super close to. Mm -hmm. She decides to make a call to get a welfare check in on her friend. And she calls 911 operations. Yeah. And the dispatcher says... Uh, And this is also, this whole um, conversation is on the documentary that I watched. So the dispatcher just says, Sarah, Sarah who? And she goes, Sarah Hart, H-A-R-T. And she goes, how many kids does Miss Hart have? And she goes, Mrs. Hart and her wife have six kids. And and then the dispatcher says, have you heard anything about the Hart's not feeding their children? What? Yeah. And then she goes, no, no, they have a really good home life. And she goes, we just had an officer go up to their house in response to a CPS call about um, her children being unfed for a longevity of time. And from the looks oh. of it, what we could see, uh, I think the hearts are on the run. What the fuck? That was in Washington, right? Okay. Okay. So on March 26, 2018, a GMC Yukon XL had been discovered plummeted over an 100-foot cliff in the California beach line on Route 1. Um, it was in Medicino County. Um, it was near Westport, California. I know nothing about California. Nothing. I know Medicino but County. Medicine, yeah. The bodies of both Jennifer and Sarah Hart and five of their six children, Hannah, Marcus, Jeremiah, Abigail, and Sierra, uh, were found on or around the vehicle which landed upside down on the beach below the cliff. However, at the initial investigation post-crash, they were only able to locate five bodies. So the fact that it was CPS was just at their house, like they, well, at this point, California is looking into it like, 
oh my God, this crash. Like they thought right. that yeah. they went off the berm because there's accident. no like, yeah, bad, bad accident. And they, you know, they found the two women in the front and they found the kids in the back and they were just, I mean, this was a fucking tragedy. It was, everybody was sick and terrified, but then they're like, well, this SUV has Oregon plates. Oregon, a state we haven't talked about yet because they lived Uh in fucking Washington and came from Minnesota. Right. Right? Confusing. Yes. So they saw that there was Oregon plates. And so Mendocino County called um, help from not only Washington, because that's where the ladies' IDs said they lived, but also Oregon authorities as well, because they're like, can you tell us where the hell this SUV is coming from? Like it, it what they uncovered by contacting these states was absolutely haunting. Absolutely oh, haunting. No. So and let's you know go what? back. Those SUVs are enormous. I make those at work. And they are yeah. huge. So it's a loads of folks family. Truckster, basically. Absolutely. But where and are the other two? I, I hope you tell me where the other two bodies are because there's six kids and two adults. So oh, now I'm like, my brain yes, is all in all oh, over the all over the place. It's, it's about to be mashed potatoes. Okay. So oh let's boy. go back okay. to that CPS wellness check call, right? All right. The one, I'm ready. Um, we heard the one from the coworker, but let's talk about the one that she was asking questions about, like the not feeding not the kids. Not feeding the kids. Yeah. So the claim that what the claim was that the hearts were not feeding their six children, they were withholding food from them, and they were abusing them physically. That oh. call was made by their next door neighbor, whom was visited uh, by two out of the six children multiple times. It's uh, Hannah and uh, Devante. They were constantly going over there, and they were begging for food. Uh, they were mm. begging for things like tortillas and peanut butter. And so these weren't like, I just want some snacks to my neighbor that's going to give us snacks. You know, these are like necessity foods. Like these are like, I need to, to get by type thing. Oh yeah, Um, for sure. But after the third, like she noticed that the, and her name is Dina. And the first time that Devante came over, he was asking, you know, do do you have any bread? I I don't know how I'm going to be able to hide a loaf of bread, but can I, do you have any bread? And she goes, no, I have tortillas. And he goes, that'll be easier anyways. And shoves it down in his socks and in his pants and things like that and goes home. And it's clear that he's going to feed his siblings. Um, Mm. But then after a couple of days, they noticed that it wasn't just like he came over once or twice. It was like multiple times a day, like trying to get his meals in. And then he asked them if they could bury them or put them out by the fence so his moms wouldn't see. Oh, wow. So, like, she's, like, secretly giving them food because they're not eating? Because they're not getting food at home. So then Hannah, Hannah is uh, one of the youngest girls. She was from the first three that came from Texas. So Mm -hmm. Devante, we'll find out, is from um, the second round of kids. Yeah, because there's more. Hannah was found by the neighbor jumping out of her second story window and running into the neighbor Dina's house, screaming like crazy and begging for them to call the cops, begging for them to call somebody, just screaming, didn't knock on the door, just ran into the house and hid underneath a table and screamed and said, please call somebody. Said, my moms, they're racist and they're abusive. They're racist and they're abusive. Please help me. Well, obviously... I mean, I'm not going to go into detail, but the moms come over. They say what? And Jen does all the speaking 
She obviously is the alpha while Sarah just stands outside, doesn't even come on the porch of the neighbor's house and just stands out there like a wet blanket and allows all this to happen. Um, Oh, geez. She says, oh, I'm so sorry. My babies, they're all drug babies and they're all from um, really terrible upbringings. And I'm so sorry. They don't know how to act right. I'm so sorry that we disrupted your sleep. Yeah. Okay. If anyone's coming over to my house at that hour and asking for help, I don't give a fuck who it is. There's something going on. There's something wrong. Period. That <laughs> a ch- a child that at this time was like five or six jumping out of a fucking second story window. Okay. Are you kidding me? You. Yeah. Right. So anyways, the following morning at six in the morning, uh, Hannah was forced to bring over a note that she handwritten uh, apologizing and saying that she's a liar and that she just wanted attention from the neighbor and that she's very sorry. So Dina said, um, she was like, yeah, this is bullshit. So she looked at Jen and she said, can I please speak to Hannah alone? I just want to tell her that she doesn't have to apologize for anything. And I don't want her to go through her day feeling bad, you know, because she knew something wasn't right. right. And now they're not even letting me talk to the kid. And. Yep. Jen was like, Jen was like, no, we just, we like to handle things in our own family. Meanwhile, Sarah is there standing like a wet blanket behind her. And she's like, we like to handle things our own way. And um, we'll have her atone for what she's done. Blah, blah, blah. Just a bunch of really weird bullshit. And um, mm. then at the end, she said, I would appreciate it if you would just stay away from all of my children. But have a blessed uh, day. They came, they came to me, first of all. Let's be clear right. on that fucking topic of conversation (sighs) yeah i would definitely be calling cps yes so most of the co-workers neighbors aside from dina anybody that was acquaintances with the hearts family claim i mean you know how social media gets they're like oh my god this whole accident was it was a tragic accident and they probably lost control of this vehicle and blah 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 they had nothing but nice things to say about the couple they just i mean basically suck suck their dicks in media like it was just like this could never be because the evidence was starting to point to they just ran their suv off the cliff you know and now we're finding you know the cops are like now we're finding these cps calls like what the hell's going on like they're you know uncovering a lot of things and so it's not that the media is painting this as like a murder suicide but anybody with a fucking brain can see that that's what this looks like you know so the social media mafia just went psychotic trying to mm-hmm. say oh they're a beautiful family this and that you know i mean and there's yeah. a lot of the testimony you can find it on youtube it's fucking it almost reminds me of people that talk about trump <laughs> that's all i'm gonna say it's the same like blank stared like devotion it's just it's freaky you never know what's going on behind closed doors anyway. Right, right. What I mean, look at um what is it? Shanann and what's his name? That guy. That family annihilator. Chris Chris oh. Watts? Shanann Watts? Oh yeah. They paid yes. they paid in their whole life on social media too. I mean, that mm-hmm. one was I mean, that's a recent case too. You know, it's just you can't believe what's on social media for sure. No. Um So the Hart family was very well known in their area and they were well admired. Obviously, they were fixtures of the community. They always did. They always, you know, had all their kids out in the community. They were doing volunteer work. They were doing this. 
they were going to like different rallies and spiritual retreats and they were, you know, just have, they were, they had their foot in fucking everything. It's really, (laughs) to see the footage, it's really, it turns my stomach. But their son, Devante, actually went viral in 2016 at the Ferguson rallies. So like the one where there was the, the white cop that, um, killed a black man, I believe. Yes. Yep. The fir- the first the first one. Um yeah. so oh, if you guys haven't figured it out now, these two very white women adopted six children of color. So if that's not another red flag, just you know, I ugh, ugh, I'm like getting goosebumps cuz I'm going to have to tell you guys what the, all the the shitty stuff that they did. Oh boy. I'm not ready. I'm ready, but yeah, I'm, re- I'm not I, ready. Yeah. It's it's hard for me not to like just start ranting about it. But anyways, so during the the Ferguson thing, she put Devante like full he carried around and his um him hugging a white cop, bawling his eyes out, holding a sign that says free hugs went viral because it looked like he was saying, Can't we all just love each other? When come to find out, if you look into the personal YouTubes of the the two, which is also their stuff is also on the documentary. I'm not a big YouTube person, but I did find this stuff on there. Um, he looks forced and he looks rehearsed at this. Yeah. To Trained. where she's using her child of color as a meal ticket to get her on the fucking news. It's it's sick. And she does this all the time. Jen does. Ugh. Yuck. It's like Westboro Baptist all over again. Yes. So during this, Jen is also posting thousands of beautiful pictures of her kids on social media. I mean, they are, you can tell that like photography probably was a hobby of hers because they're beautiful, well taken pictures that look, you know, natural. Like them at different places, them having like a great time on vacations, them as a happy family. It, I mean, she was a master of the craft of delusion for sure. Um, Oh boy. Yeah. Like we're putting on this facade, like, you know, you're, you're window shopping for her. This is the perfect. Her fucking, yeah. White savior complex is what she's doing. Like, look at these kids that I adopted and now they're great because of me type thing. Not only that. If the pictures weren't enough, she wrote like this was fucking Tumblr or a blog space at this time because she wrote these essays about how much she loved her kids and how much like, ugh, it is so much self-proclaimed profit bullshit. <laughs> it really oh, is. no. Why do you get drawn to, to these? I man? don't know. And it's <laughs> just like... She says, like, oh, we're such a strong, uh, loving and inclusive family. We we love all races and um my white lesbian partner and our our black kids from terrible backgrounds and oh my Ugh. god, I'm telling our black drug babies, first of all, bitch. What the fuck? Yeah. So terrible. Yeah. Like Yes. Grow up. So you know what, too? It sounds really Jim Jonesy. Yes, yes, it does. Yeah, like the Rainbow really family. Does. Like what? Yes, the f- it really does. Wow. Um, but she put like these really stereotypical posts, like talking about Devante, saying he's falling into his power, and like doing like the fist emoji. I'm like, man, 
first of all, <laughs> there is so much fucking wrong with that. You are not this yeah. child's meal ticket. You know what I mean? Bitch, you are yes. living off the goddamn government off of your other children's um, court case, whatever the fuck they're giving you. You know what I mean? Like, get the fuck out of here. It just, it, there's so many things that piss me off about this. Like, she is just online, like, with her fake persona selling white fucking saviorhood and I just can't fucking deal with it. You know, and and I did I did take a peek at the family picture so I could see because I was like, man, I feel like I've heard you talk about this before. And I was right. We did talk about this, about which cover uh, which cases we were covering. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember you talking to me about this. So now I put the faces to the name and it's it's very a superiority complex like I'm getting all this and I want all the clout and everything while these kids are in the background suffering it's and they're asking for help which is even more terrifying like no one's even listening yeah so Mm. like when the crash hit the news basically their little cult following went fucking psychotic they did pickets they did everything like fuck defund the police this and that shit like don't defame Mm. their name you know just went fucking Trump psychotic is what I like to call it. Um, <laughs> but they took they stood up for the two moms and said that there was no possible way that they could have ever done this on purpose and blah, 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 blah. So let's call in sure. um, the actual forensic report and investigation of the vehicle. Okay. Oh, I love forensics, man. Me yeah. and forensic files. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was no skid marks leading no skid marks leading to the edge of the cliff. So if you look up a picture of the mm. cliff and we can post it, it's it almost looks like a turnaround. Like there is no barriers on the side of the the mountain or whatever you want, cliff, whatever you want to call it there in California. Okay. But there's plenty of leeway to not go over. You know what I mean? From the roadway. Right. There's no way. It's not that, like, like a drop off. No, there's plenty of room. It's almost like a pull off to where you'd go take pictures type thing or like take a breather when you're on like the, you know, you're you're doing like the mountainside thing. And forgive my verbiage. I've literally I've literally never been to California, so I don't know what y'all call it over there. But like I saw it on a goofy movie. So, yeah, like you pull off and you're like, (laughs) oh, let's enjoy the ocean or we can just stand here. I want to see the view. And yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, Jen was in the driver's seat. Obviously had to be in control. Um, no seatbelts were worn or even latched throughout the entire vehicle. Even though uh, Jen had multiple vi- uh, videos uh, advocating for fucking seatbelt use on her social media. Like, little little uh, snippets there. There, It also found that there was rapid acceleration um, up to 90 miles an hour. Oh. However, however, no oh. brakes were ever applied, not once. Uh, it said that the car had pulled up at a regular speed and stopped about seven foot from the edge. And judging by where the like tire marks were, they basically fucking gunned it and got up to 90 cruising over top, over side the edge. Wow. Jen, a sober person from all accounts on social media, her BAC was well above the legal limit of 0.102. Um, they also uncovered text messages or no, I'm sorry, they weren't text messages. They were Google searches from Sarah's phone that they just uncovered not too fucking long ago, like March of 2022. They were able to go into her phone and get all this. Oh, uh, like found her last Google searches. So her last Google searches were 
uh, will five beers be enough for her to not or for you to not feel anything if being drowned? Is this enough Benadryl to feed, you know, this person of this weight, blah, blah, blah. How long do you drown before you feel the effects of it? Like this bitch is sitting in the car in the passenger seat and Googling this shit as this is all happening. So Sarah, Sarah and all the kids had well beyond significant amounts of Benadryl in their system. Um, Mm. They also uncovered like six or seven different bottles of different brands of Benadryl, like full fledged. And like, you know, there was a Walmart kind, you know what I mean? Just different kinds on the floorboards oh, yeah. of the car. You know. They probably went to different stores and bought all the generic stuff and yeah. then yeah. Yeah. So the crash was ruled a homicide suicide. Yeah. And at first not all the bodies were found, but over I think it took them almost a year later to find all the remains of the the kids that were not found. And Aww. even Devante was not not ever found but in 2019 they ruled and gave him they ruled that he was actually in the vehicle because they found the remains of all the other kids and said he had to have been in there um because the three kids that they couldn't identify or that there were quote-unquote missing they did put missing persons reports out and they did try to actively locate these children thinking you know well at first they thought maybe it was you know a pair since they had two pairs of siblings maybe they but it wasn't it was they they did a lot of work and they go into that in that documentary about how much work they did to find these kids and it's just it's really sad that it was it was clear that all the kids were in the car and um she annihilated her entire family as well as herself she just gunned it over the hill and just oh god damn that's so shitty And so let's talk about what led up to this. All right. So this is when it's going to get a little heavy. In 2004, um, the Hart family adopted Marcus, who was five, Abigail, who was six months, and Hannah, who was two. This is the the first pair from Colorado, Texas, um, where where I already went into the rampage about the the bio mom lost the rights due to inadequate health care. Okay. So. But. Because she gave up rights on court paperwork, the kids were allowed to be adopted by someone else. So the kids were adopted by her aunt, um, Patricia uh, Celestine. The three were currently living in the home of their biological aunt that was by all accounts and every single thing that has been spoken by attorneys, everything else. She was a beautiful woman, very loving. She took such good care of these kids. She showed them like, this is where your family lineage comes from. She, I mean, she was at all Mm. their stuff for school. She took them their appointments. She took care of them like the mother that they didn't have, but also she knew the struggles that their mom had went through and that all the progress that their mom, their biological mother was making, you know, it was between right. them that she signed off rights so that her aunt could take over. Right. You know what I mean? Like that was the reasoning behind it. And yeah, at that time on paper, it looked like, okay, she just signed over rights to her kids, but that was not, that story was never told because huh. more, more times than none, the courts or CPS or whoever doesn't paint the actual story of, people of color you know they just fucking don't especially in in texas no offense you live there but republican texas they're not gonna say like this woman was trying they're gonna say hey you know she wasn't we took her kids she signed her off her rights to her kids that's her own thing you know wash your hands right. of it. we're moving along yeah because the paperwork has already been filed by that point 
That happens in a lot of states. So during this time that um, Ms. Celestine had the kids, there was an, uh, in CPS paperwork, it says an unauthorized and unsupervised visit by the kid's biological parent that was not approved by courts. And a caseworker chose this, that it was an emergency removal from the house and situation. So oh. Cel- um, Priscilla Celestine had to work 15 minutes over at work and her uh the biological mom she said can you go make sure that they're okay 15 fucking minutes and they pulled these kids from a loving stable home and put them in the system the state of texas oh yeah i'm not surprised no questions asked no nothing oh i'm sorry your biological mom is here for 15 minutes literally the caseworker timed it it was 15 minutes because they came on a surprise visit and oh sure uh, that's where they get you and Miss Celestine even said on on cell phone communication, you know, you can track my location. I'm on my way home right now. I had to work over. I couldn't get away. I'm so sorry. Like, blah, blah, blah. It, I mean, it's fucking heartbreaking, the actuality mm. of what happened in this case. And it was a, such a strong injustice on not only Miss Celestine, but for the kids to be removed from the stable, loving, biologically linked home you know this is their like family you know exactly Uh, so texas uh yanked them put them into emergency shelter which opened them uh adequate and available for immediate adoption oh sure get them in and out as quick as possible yes priscilla celestine um fought for custody through the courts multiple times um her court inquest or whatever was denied twice in a row and then she finally got to go in front of the judge again and it was like that her lawyer said it was like that they didn't even listen to the case they didn't do anything they just said we're washed we've washed our hands of it we're done almost as if they had something already planned out um mm. to where these kids were going to go so meanwhile while miss celestine is going through this the hearts the couple are working through a company called a Permanent Family Resource Center, which is an adoption agency, a major adoption agency in Minnesota. Apparently, through their many interviews, they said all the right things. They passed all the right tests. They provided all the paperwork. They showed a, they had a loving home, painted for them. You know, um, they even talked about how they were positively fostering another child, and they have all this love to give. Oh. Um, so in 2006, the three children were placed in the home of the Hearts, and they were ripped from their family in Texas and everything they knew in Texas, their school, everything, their aunt, all of it. Oh, that's terrible. And all involved, including multiple attorneys, claimed that this whole placement situation was way faster than anything they've seen not only in the state of like the state of texas but also in any like child placement cases that it just came across very weird it was very it it didn't make sense to them it was almost transactional yeah i don't like that exactly it's fucked up um they said that it's you know much faster than any of adopt any other adoption cases they've ever seen um almost as if it was pre-planned and pre-placed and they did that prior to even Miss Celestine giving, you know, I mean, going through her whole court system of it. They were they were ready to do this. Yeah. 
they were ready. They had it set up with the hearts. They don't even give a fuck. That, meanwhile, they're dumping off their foster kid. You know what I mean? Like they're mm. it's it's really it's really messy. It's muddy. But yeah, these three children were ripped from their stable, loving familial home, and they were sent to a white, well-to-do family. Is what it said on the paperwork. I'm not even joking. What white, the well-to-do fuck? family. I would like to know how you bag fucking groceries and mow lawns and how you just dumped off a kid and never coming back to get them as a white, well-to-do family. Please, someone educate me on that. Please. Uh, Yeah. Please. I'm not buying it. I don't buy it either. But we come to find out, even more so, that's not the fucking case. Mm. And this family is nothing like they fucking appear. So shortly after these three kids were moved into the Hart's home, they just got them situated in school. They just got, you know, uh, they've had two visits from CPS that said, okay, well, the kids seem to be adjusting well. You know, they have nice clothes. They have this, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so you're making it about like, oh, well, white, sa- like, saviorism. I'm like, oh, well, they just, they bought them new clothes and they have a new school to go. Like, fuck off, dude. Fuck off. <laughs> it, it's just, it's sickening. Mm-hmm. However... Once these kids started to go to school, that's when the abuse case allegations started to not just roll in, but flood the fuck in. Mm. Flood in. So between, this is um, jumping a little bit ahead, but between November of 2010 and June of 2011, six calls were made to CPS with not one, but five to ten abuse allegations per call. Not on one kid, multiple kids. And they weren't all identical allegations. Hmm. So. Was it school officials? It was more than just the school. So the school also made multiple reports about the, um, all the kids acting very funny, very super quiet, um, uh, very like scared. They said they always looked scared were the exact like comments on it. Yeah. And I could see people arguing like, oh, they're in a new school and a new neighborhood and they got to make new friends. There's a difference. Of course they're scared. You know, yeah. There's there's a difference, though, between being scared because you're in a new surrounding, you're in a new area, and being scared because you're being beaten and starved at home. Yeah, exactly. two Two different scareds. Despite all this, the hearts... While these allegations were being, um, like, under the investigation process, they were being approved yet again in 2008 to adopt not one but three more children. Fuck. Three more children. This is when Jeremiah, Devante, and Sierra come in to the family. Mm. Okay. So during the adoption process, Hannah, the, um, I guess she's probably about four or five now. Well, she's in school, so five, I think. During this time, she goes and tells the school counselor that her moms beat her at home and her moms are really mean to her and she doesn't like it and she just wants to go back to Texas with her aunt. Um, meanwhile, she's not only saying this, but she's covered in bruises. Covered. What the hell? So they actually call in a, the nurse, which calls in a medical examination of Hannah at this time because her chest is completely black and blue and she's a <gasps> tiny little girl, like tiny. Mm. And her legs are discolored from bruising. Like it's it's really, it's clear that something's going on. 
Right. So, of course, they they bring in the, the hearts, the moms. They deny all claims. Sure. So, legally, they have to take them to court. So, they're taken to court. Uh, there was insufficient evidence. So, case is closed. And they are still able to adopt the other three kids. They get that paperwork <sighs> all signed. So, Damn. now, they have six kids under their roof. They were already abusing three. They already dumped one off. And Hannah made a second claim, this time because she was beaten so badly she can't walk, and it's hard for her to swallow. Oh, no. And she made this claim to another person in the school authority. Uh, I'm, it didn't say who it was. The first one, I think, was just to her teacher. I'm guessing this is probably a guidance counselor type person. Okay. So when this person asked, you know... Why did your moms do this to you? You know, what happened? Like, they wanted, this person really wanted to know. She said, it's because my mom, Jen, found a penny in my pocket and said I stole it. A penny? Mm. A penny. How many times have we picked up pennies outside on the ground, you know? Yeah, if it's heads up, it's good luck. You're supposed to pick it up. That's so fucking sad, dude. So at this time, Jen, obviously we... I said she was doing odd jobs, whatever. She She's a fully claimed, like, stay-at-home mom, right? You're doing a bad job at it. So the cops show up because of this. They're, that counselor or whoever it was, that school official, good on them because they actually got CPS and the cops to this family's house. So yes. they went in there and said, well, we were told that Jen was the one that basically beat her child, so you're going to come with us. You know, Hannah said that you were the one that was the aggressor in the situation, and... Oddly enough, Sarah comes running out the back and was like, no, 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 it was me. I did it. I did it. Jen didn't say anything. Oh, no. And we already have painted the picture of how her personality is. Wet blanket doesn't, I mean, she's, and if you, if you watch the, like, I mean, like I said, the, their home recordings are, are probably all facade anyways, but you can kind of peg someone's personality just by how they portray themselves at least a little bit she's not one that is going to beat the fuck out of her kids she's just not she's probably getting the the shit beat out of her on her own you know it's just it's just how she so the cops arrest sarah and sarah pleads guilty to a domestic assault charge so no more working with kids sarah you're fucked there goes your career there goes everything for this you know So then when she sat down and asked questions, she says, yes, I just, I spanked her too hard. And I Mm, bent her over the bathtub and I lost control. And that's probably why her whole chest is black. That was her, Mm. that was what she said. Do you want to know what, what old Sarah got from the court system? Not enough. One year probation, 20 hours community service, and the, the charge of malicious child endangerment charges are fucking dropped. Case closed. Oh, no. I need to see this documentary now. So like I mentioned earlier, the allegations kept flooding in, flooding in. And their second adoption was finalized. During all this, like, it's just, it's like these kids are getting swept under the rug. So Sarah and Jen decide that this is too much legal bullshit. You know, we got done with yours. Okay. She obviously said, fuck probation because I'm moving away. So we're, we're, yeah. who cares about that? Uh, she didn't do her community service, according to actual court documents. She never fucking did them. 
But they also decided to uproot the entire family to a new state because if we remove them from any adult interaction, no one will call the cops, was what Jen said. Oh, no. And if no one can call the cops, no one can make allegations, and we don't have any CPS at our door driving us nuts every day. This is so frustrating. That's their plan. That's what they're doing. So they're packing up their house. And then, knock, 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 CPS comes again. Yeah, where the fuck do you think you're going? (laughs) This time, they come straight to Sarah. And Sarah ends up getting prosecuted again. Here are what she's convicted of. I'm not going to go into all that bullshit, but here's what she's convicted of, which is on her record. Malicious punishment of a child, domestic assault, intentionally inflicting bodily harm. Sorry, I couldn't read my handwriting. (laughs) But Uh want to know what she got? Uh, No fucking consequences. Zero punishment and three years added on to her unsupervised probation. Unfucking supervised. Nothing. Nothing. So here you have these papers. Have fun. Bye. Yes. And so obviously court cases like this, like these are public information. So three days after the second arrest, um, a friend of the couple was like, Oh shit, like I just have a gut feeling I should probably tell them what happened in my house. So they uh, call, she calls in with another allegation and she says, she calls CPS and she said, You know, I've been friends, excuse me, I've been friends with Jen for years. We used to work together and we decided to have a party at my house, a pizza party. And she had her kids, we had my kids. You know, it was going to be a big sleepover. It was going to be fun. Yeah. So I ordered and paid for a bunch of pizza, and then I noticed that Jen took a knife and was cutting the pizza into even smaller pieces, not cut. like She goes, and I ordered eight pizzas. There was more than enough pizza for everybody that was here, you know? It was not a big deal. And she only allowed her kids to have a half of a half slice, a pe- one a piece. Uh. So in the middle of the night when the kids were having their sleepover and the parents were out, like, probably hanging out outside or whatever they were doing, uh, Devante got caught sneaking food from the fridge and in the middle of the night and the punishment was that jen woke up all six of the kids turned on all the lights made them lay in the middle of the floor with their hands down beside their sides completely blindfolded and in pure silence for five hours to think about what they did about stealing food that is some military shit man so jen gets called in And she gets charges pressed against her of this. No consequences. Nothing. Uh, Insufficient evidence of... It was like insufficient evidence or blah, blah, blah of abuse. Are you fucking kidding me? There was an eyewitness there. like Right. But it could be hearsay. That's tricky, man. Right. It also... She also went to tell CPS, the same lady, the friend, said that, you know... Jen can just turn it on and turn it off. Like, there's no affection towards her kids. The only time that she acts like she likes them is when she's taking a picture for social media. Oof. Yep, there it is. So then the CPS is like, uh, you know, let's call the kids in one by one. Let's separate them from their parents, blah, blah, blah. Yep. But, but they, something happened or some, there was a miss. There was a fuck up on somebody's part and the kids could see their parents through the window of the interrogation room. So, of course, they denied everything. They didn't say nothing. You know, Um, they claimed that they were uh, that there was anything wrong and blah, 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 blah. So 
that's when CPS says, well, we're going to have medical examinations done because we're getting too many claims of them, like, claiming to be malnourished. So we at least need to see if, like, medically they're okay so we can get this fucking case, like, off our books. You know, it's... yeah. You know, exactly. They they were they were clearly on the parent side. They were clearly on the parent side. Mm-hmm. So they went under multiple me- like multiple medical exams, and all six children were well under the weight profile for their or the like demographic for their age, and well under the height. They were clearly malnourished. Aww. Jen tried to say that it was because it was a familial thing from their. Because they were drug babies and they were from a shitty household. Okay, that's fine. But it was pointed out in this documentary. I thought it was really smart to, like, point out. um, These are two sets of siblings. These are not six siblings. So for two sets of siblings that are from completely different states, completely different bloodlines, to have the exact same problem and the exact same issue that they never had before prior in any of their medical things. I feel like the common factor might be the house you. that they're placed in. Yes. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Uh, like, fuck off. <laughs> so who's believing this? That's what I want to know. Apparently a lot of people. Um, Idiots. So, again, this case was pushed under the rug. Um, CPS deemed it inconclusive, not enough evidence to form any, or to formality, like formulate charges, whatever the fuck it says. Like, they can't put any formidable charges on this case because there's not enough evidence. Uh, how is that not evidence? How, that is you know evidence. I mean? the, yes. But what this tells the kids is there's no fucking hope for you. There's no hope. Right. This is the best you're going to get. Yeah. Oh. And what's even more sickening is this couple tried to be in the forefront of like all the protest culture. They were very big in the black lives matter thing. They, they put the race card on everything and they talked about how, Oh, our kids were drug. They called these kids drug babies. And it was proven by multiple attorneys and family members that came forward. Neither set was anywhere near anything with drugs. (laughs) Nothing. They were not born drug babies, nothing. The one uh, mother had a problem with drugs after the kids were born and she was going through a divorce. That's mm-hmm. what it was. She, she lost her license. That's what caused everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, that and- was the, the true story. It wasn't like she was drug addicted and brought in drug addicted baby. Like, no, but that's what Jen right. was painting for literally everybody. Right. Like, I'm here to save them. Like, I no. That's too much. That's too, you're 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 doing too much, sis. Okay. Not only that, but can you imagine being a child and being adopted and being like, oh my god, they really love me. Oh, but they're all over media saying I'm a drug baby. Like they're saying that, like you know, like how is yes. that even? It's not like, okay good for the kid. It's not. And then, so during all this crap, she's still on fucking social media. She's still, you know writing these I want him to be in his power these whole black lives matter and blah 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 and all but not a it's just, yeah there's the these these fucking manifestos are so fucking sickening they're so fucking sickening but Huffington Post and the New York Times decided to pick a couple of them up throw them in circulation mm. um the Huffington Post it's clear that I did read that full article and it's fucking clear that they asked Jen 
to write the story and she sent it in and they would just post whatever she wrote. They would like grammatically correct it and throw it in there because it is like of her own manifesto. It's just, it's like a copy and paste blog entry or something. Yes. And it is so gross. And it it still talks about like literally nobody in the entire world is using the term that I have drug babies except for Jen. And she said it multiple times in the Huffington Post thing. Um, And she said, if it wasn't for me, these kids would be nothing. They would be dead under a bridge. Um, Which, like I said earlier, there was an attorney that worked for um, Miss Celestine, Shonda Jones. She's a badass bitch. And she came and disproved all this shit for not only... Those three, but the three that were not even connected to her. Mm -hmm. Um, Good. Yeah. And the Hart family had child abuse allegations in Minnesota, Oregon, Washington, like that we know about. There could have been more. But the system completely failed these beautiful kids from not only one state, but three states. They just pushed their shit under the rug. They let these fucking monstrous people continue to bring children into their home and it it's just it, it's fucking sickening and meanwhile jen she hijacks the black Lives matter protest as well as like she goes to rally like the ferguson rallies and tries to say oh i'm so woke i'm this and that and claiming her kids were victim of you know drug abuse and this and that and I am here as a white wo- a white lesbian woman to protect the black children of America. Suck my dick, bitch, and oh. fuck you and your hu- and your hashtag hug life matters. Fuck you, Jen. Oh, fuck no. you, Jen Hart. That's my uh, thing on her because she makes me absolutely fucking sick. That's a user if I ever heard one. But however, these little rants that she started to have. It started opening the floodgates of, you know, now, you know, people are speaking against it and saying, that's not the true story. That's not what happened, you know, because social media, that's what happens. People, you know, you go viral and now, oh, well, we're about to tell you the truth here. You know, I mean, whatever. It's not even a troll situation. It's just like the truth. Yeah. So she's losing control of her entire narrative, of her whole being. And this (laughs) is when things start to really unravel. And she eventually... She was so prominent on social media, she eventually just like blacked out all her accounts out of nowhere. And it was no, she didn't talk to anybody. She turned off her phone. Like everybody knew this isn't right. This isn't good. Like, you know, because she literally, and she was, um, she became like psychotically yelling at people through a troll account she created. Oh boy. Great. Of all, yeah, yeah. Um, which it was. A ghost account, I guess, that she created. Yeah, keyboard crusader. Yeah. And I also wanted to throw this here at the end. Um, So following the murders, we talked about the coworker of Sarah that she was really close to. Yeah. So she shared a text that Sarah had sent to her a few days prior to to when all this shit happened. And she said that she wished someone would have told her that it would have been okay not to have a big family. She goes, I wish I didn't have to have kids. Then I could have told Jen and we wouldn't have had any kids in the first place. That was her last text to her work best friend. Damn, that's pretty uh, cryptic, I would say. Yeah. So 
I, I know this was a lot. I kind of want to end it on just a few things that I um, read up from a psychologist on a family annihilator. Okay. So a family annihilator, it, by definition, is a case where a family member kills multiple close family members and then themselves also. It's usually in quick succession or an incidence where it's all at the same thing. Like, you know, like how murder-suicide via vehicle is what yeah. Jen did here. Um, some of the facts of it, it's very hard to predict. It's it's rare, so it's not talked about. So it's it, it's hard for people to see the signs of it. Um, but some of the signs that were talked about that I think everybody should know um, depression, which we know mental health can be a trigger for anything. Yeah. The constant obsession and need for attention and status, Ooh, which Jen okay. very much had. So that's something to keep in mind with social media these days. Mm -hmm. um, they also have a very black and white personality, meaning that if you're not my friend, you're my enemy. You either oh. follow me or I hate you type thing. Um, and it says that Normally, the big snap is brought on by uh, environmental triggers. So the, this psychologist said that um, in Jen's case, she thinks that losing her narrative on social media was her trigger. Was yeah, that, that started nothing her downward like, spiral. What, yes, and it was, and usually with family annihilators, the downward spiral is very quick on the outside. Yeah. I thought this was also interesting because this this case has a lot of um, race quality to it. And I, I'm really not one to want to bring up a bunch of race stuff. But this case really pissed me off. Uh, family annihilators are 68% white people. Um, I believe that. We're, we're, uh, you don't hear it with a lot of other races either. No, you don't. And mm -hmm. it's mostly white males, but also um, it's said that it could be predominant with white women with dominant traits. And it's clear oh. that she had those issues. Right. I'm going to leave it on a quote from Nelson Mandela because I felt this was the most fitting. Education is the most powerful weapon which with you can use to change the world. Wow, what a terrible so, case. It's one of the reasons I wanted to bring this case up because if you don't know what's going on and you don't know what's in your past, you can't change it, you can't fix it. You can't learn from what's going on. The shit needs to be talked about. It needs to, you know, be put on platforms because it's not right. And we need to, as people, even as people of the Midwest, we need to at least fucking know about what's going on. It's so upsetting to see, like, all of the signs were there, you know. And with Child Protective Services and those cases, it's definitely a case-by-case -case basis. But you see the similarities in other cases that you work with. And you just I mean, need to do better. Right. Like, recognize the signs. And they were, like, bright signs, you know. Like, you could not pass up these these signals like, hey, this is happening at this home. And for some reason, it got just like looked over and it's terrible. And I'd hate to think that the reason it got pushed under the rug was because that they were children of color. I'd hate. But I mean, in the same breath, it's like we know that played a huge part, you know, 
No, it's not just, o- not only that, but like uh, a lesbian couple that is portraying an all-American family that just wants what everyone else has and this and that. It's like there's a lot of people out there that portray themselves as you're doing something right on social media and behind all of that, the smiley pictures and the family photos and everything, there's something more sinister going on and that happens more often now than it has before. Yeah, it's just knowledge is power, you know? Right, exactly. And speaking of knowledge is power, (laughs) this is the last episode that we're going to release before we are at Fort Wayne Pride. So, yeah, Fort Wayne Pride um, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, in case you didn't know where that was, this coming up weekend and we are going to be there doing all sorts of really awesome stuff like meeting and greeting and uh, having a live giveaway type of deal. So I am really excited to meet some more people and get our name out there more for more listening pleasure, <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. We've got some really cool stuff to give away. We got um, a step and repeat to take some cool pictures on. We got lots of cool stuff um, versus what we had last year. You know, I mean, we tried it out. We <laughs> we got through it. It wasn't the best, but we're well prepared this year and it's going to be a lot of fun. And I hope to see you guys out there. Yes, I really do want to meet some of you guys. And if, you know, Pride's not something that you're going to go do this year, you're not in the area, hopefully some sometime in the future we're going to be traveling and maybe doing some more live episodes or something along those lines. So just keep your eyes and your ears peeled for that type of stuff because, you know, it's all in the works. It's all in the works. Yeah, for sure. Uh, not only that but we do have a new t-shirt uh i i took a picture of it but it's not on facebook yet but i will put it up there um you know ghosts bro we're just we're just gonna throw it out there ghosts like to uh, mess with us and we decided to make a t-shirt to commemorate them for all of the fuckery that they do for the podcast right especially at my house (laughs) (laughs) right and uh you know i uh I guess we'll leave it with uh, the code of the Midwest because that's kind of our thing. It's kind of what we do. So uh, always make sure that you do your research thoroughly. Make sure that you always make it home for dinner. Don't trust the fucking government and lock your doors and we'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs>